the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Our time today returns us to the book of John. We're in chapter 3, looking at verses 14 through 21, also spending a bit of time in Numbers 21, Romans chapter 8, 2 Corinthians 5. We're looking at man's response of obedience to the gift of grace, recorded for us in John 3, verses 18 through 21. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. You can't serve two masters. Verse 8, here it is. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one, uh, fell in one day 23,000. Do you see that? What is that talking about? That's the third chapter from where we are in Numbers 21. Numbers 24 and 25 is when Israel commits fornication with Baal Peor. You guys remember that horrible account where Balaam is trying to destroy Israel but couldn't. And so Balak and Balaam devised a way to catch the whoremongering Israelites with the prostitutes of Baal and cause God's judgment to come upon them with plagues 23,000 in one day. And the same kind of sins dominate our church today. Idolaters and fornicators. Are you guys hearing me? One more. One more. Look at the next verse. Neither let us tempt Christ. Do you see the way Paul puts it? Tempting Christ. Do you see the way he puts it? See, when you study your Bible properly, when you have a coherent theology, when you have a sound hermeneutic, the New Testament actually explains the Old Testament. It brings the Old Testament context into New Testament relevance, and you come to discover that what was happening then is happening now. And what Israel was doing in Numbers 21, where we are, is tempting Christ. Were they tempting Christ? Were they tempting Christ? Watch this now. As some of them also tempted him and were, were what? Destroyed of the serpents. Whoa! Let me help you understand how they tempted Christ. They first said that we have no bread out here. Go back to Numbers chapter 21, 5. I want everyone to see it. They lied on God. Did they lie on God? They just said, we have no bread. Isn't that an egregious statement on the part of a people for whom God every day rained down manna to feed their souls with angels' food? every day without let up except the seventh day, and he gave them a double portion on the sixth day to get them past the seventh day, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? Because God provided for them. And every day they have water running out of the rock. And that rock followed them everywhere they went. And God provided water for them everywhere they went. How can you open your mouth and say God does not 
provide for you when every day God has provided for you. That is what happens when you are deceived by your complaining. That is what happens when you are deceived by your complaining. When you are deceived by your complaining, you have refused to acknowledge the blessings that God has given you. And now when you have to acknowledge them, you despise them. And this is how they tempted Christ. Today, men and women hate the gospel. They despise the gospel. They oppose the message of grace. They reject the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. They hate to sit under a message that tells you Christ alone is Lord. They hate to sit under a message where we are not devising and framing messages by which we cater to your flesh. They hate to hear the message that says the kingdom of God is largely spiritual in nature, ethical and moral in its fabric and dynamic. And yes, God will provide for us, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is not God will provide for you material things. The gospel is Christ died for your sins. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Now, I want you to get it now. Because I, I, if you don't ever come back again, and I've been saying this for 22 years at this church, I'm surprised y'all show up. <laughs> my, one of my earliest messages was Numbers 21. I must have been about 35 years old at the time. It was one of my first messages at Grace, this text. I just thought about it last week. And the title of that message was Look and Live. That was the title of the message. That's the last point in our outline today. And I remember warning people back then when we only had a handful of people in our church, warning people back then about despising the gospel. And I've seen people come and go where they first started shouting about the gospel. Then after a while, they start challenging the gospel. Then later on, they started finding something else to add to the gospel. And the next thing you know, they departed from the gospel. That's where people are all over the world today. See, you and I are on a journey through the wilderness as well. The paradigm is clear in the book of Revelation, right? The church of the living God is going through a wilderness. We're not in glory yet, right? The parallels are absolutely essential. And if you're honest, you know that you are close sometimes to tempting God too. Complaining, murmuring, disputing, arguing, opposing God and his providence in your life. Is that true? Now, here's a principle. I want you to get this now. When you break the hedge... When you break the hedge, now God sets up hedges to keep you. He puts boundaries in your life to keep you. People despise the doctrine of predestination, but I love it. You know what predestination is? God putting parameters around you to keep you from destroying yourself. Hedging you in because he knows you can make wrong choices, stupid choices, damnable choices, hellbound choices. God loves his people enough to let them get hurt but not go to hell. That's predestination. When he sets you up, binds you up, make sure that you can only hurt yourself enough to call on God to deliver you. But if God should ever let you go, to hell you will go. Lord, hedge me in, shut me up, put your hand on my head, go before me and behind me, encompass me in all my ways. Don't let me have my own way. The Israelites pushed the envelope, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. And Solomon says, when you break the hedge, you will be bitten by the serpent. 
Notice what the text says. It says it in verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel what? Do you guys see that? And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. God's response to their despising God, denying God's sufficiency of grace, abhorring God's provision. When you reject the Spirit of God, when you reject the gospel, you open yourself up to be bitten by the serpent. And you guys automatically know, being tutored a little bit by your Bible, that one of the first reference points in your mind around the serpent is who? The devil. In other words, God will give men and women over to a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And many people believe a lie today. They think they're all right with God. And God has allowed them to be bitten by the serpent. Bitten by the serpent. Bitten by the serpent. And this is what Christ had taught Nicodemus. That except you be born again, because you're dead in trespasses and sins, you didn't already, you and I, by nature, we were bit before we got here. We came in the world dead in trespasses and sin. We, we were bit in our father and mother Adam, were we not? The poison of ass is in our veins. In fact, the Bible says that we are nothing but little bitty vipers when we're born into this world. Snakes when we come out of the womb. If God showed us a spiritual picture, we wouldn't be going, mama, mama. We would be going, because we're snakes, snakes by nature. That's what you and I are by nature, because we're rebels against God. You guys got that? And these people got bit by these snakes. And now what are they doing? They are writhing in pain. They are writhing in pain. And they are writhing in torment of pain and dying off by the thousands. Now all of a sudden, that they're being bit by the serpent, they didn't figure it out. They didn't sin against God. Now these are some slow people, aren't they some slow people? Look at the text. I want to show you how we get. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. You don't say. You don't say. Do you see how desperately sinful we are that God has to let us get bit by the serpent and experience the pain of our sinfulness before we recognize that we have been feeding on a diet of death? This is how sinful we are by nature. We have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord, yep, and against you, yep. Prayer to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Do you see it? Now the people are praying. Now Moses is precious to them. I'm trying to show you how when your heart is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, you reject all of God's providences and what we call means of grace to keep you. You argue against the way God works to keep you. I've seen it all my ministry life up to today. It goes on, unfortunately, all too frequently, where you and I take God for granted. I see it way, way too much not to be candid with you today, taking God for granted. And see, I do want you to know, the enemy knows, he knows that they are on the brink of crossing over. Did you guys get that? Let me see if I can help you get it. They knew 
that they were in the 40th year. They knew it. They had done 38 years. Those kids could count. They had done 38 years in the wilderness. And if you knew the book of Numbers, you know the book of Numbers actually details the journey of Israel, 42 encampments in Numbers 33, okay? 42 encampments. That means in the wilderness, they would stop on an average of about one encampment a year, sometimes two or three a year, and sometimes a little longer. 42 encampments encompass their whole journey. They are right now on the, what we call, 33rd encampment. Are you hearing me? If you know you only got nine more encampments to go before you enter into the realization of the promises of God, don't you think it would be good for you to hold on and hold out and pray more and seek the Lord more, trim down, Cut down everything that's superfluous and unnecessary in your life. Get deeper in your walk with God. Read your Bible more. Be committed more to spiritual things because you're getting close to entering into your reward. Don't you think that's the best way to go? Don't you think that's the best way to go? And yet, sinful human beings do exactly the opposite. We get worse as we get older. And you know who's helping you? The devil. He is sprinkling angel dust all in your head, all in your eyes, everywhere you look, every medium, every form you can imagine of entertainment and distraction and seduction and all kinds of allurements are keeping you from focusing on the prize. And you are waning in your zeal. And you are losing your strength. And you are trapped by carnality. You can barely sit under the preaching of the sound doctrine of God's Word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is where people are all over the world. They are immersed in Satan's kingdom, living under the delusion of having already been bitten. And they are, as it were, just in a kind of seizured trap of carnality. This is not the way God meant for you and I to live. This is not the way God meant for us to finish. There is a a sort of massive blanket of blindedness on the part of many people who profess to be believers in Christ. And the hardness of the heart, according to Hebrews 3, be careful that the deceitfulness of sin doesn't so harden your heart that even when you are warned as you are now, you don't care. Do you hear me? Because this is where Israel had got. I quit. I quit. Now I'm going to turn around and go all the way back. God said, no, 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 no. You don't realize that you traded me for Satan. In this area of, of, of Sinai, where they are in the peninsula of Sinai, headed towards um, the Red Sea to cross over into the Promised Land, is where archaeologists have discovered, even up to the last hundred years, is a place where massive amounts of puffed adders and vipers live and scorpions that are so aggressive, so aggressive that they don't wait for you, they look for you to sting you. What a place to start complaining against God. It would seem like as you find yourself in a hornet's nest, in a, in a nest of vipers, you'd be talking to God all day long. Lord, become a shield for me. Lord, be a buckler for me. Lord, be a hiding place. Be a cupboard, oh Lord. I need you to help me put on the whole armor of God. Because at least if he strikes at me, he can't get past your metal. 
He can't get past your armory since I know I am dwelling in viper land. And ladies and gentlemen, you are dwelling in viper land. Everything coming out of the devil's mouth is against God and for the damnation of your soul. You are dwelling in viper land. You are in viper land. But we have spoken against the Lord. Pray for us that they might take away the serpents. Verse 8, here it is. This is where we move into our second, third, fourth point, and I'm going to move quickly since I think you got the context. And I pray you take the context with you because we live in this context. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent. Do you see it? And set it on a pole. That's where Jesus begins to make his comparison of John 3.16 with John 3.14. And this is why you can't take John 3.16 and bastardize it like people do, putting it on flags and banners all over the world and not explaining to men and women that John 3.16 is the most holy ground in God's book in the universe. That when we talk about for God so loved the world, we are talking about what a man who is also God did to bear the sins of his people in his own body on the cross in a, on a par of this event in Numbers chapter 21. So let's receive some instructions because you want to you get this. The Lord said, make you a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is what? When he looketh upon it, he shall live. Now we need to really be able to capture this. This is point number two in our outline. Point number, sub point number one uh, uh, in, in our second point, God's remedy to man's problem declared, will you hear me? The work of the Spirit of God in saving revelation, according to John 16, 8, it's always first to show you how desperately a hell-bound sinner you really are. The gospel is not about smile, God loves you, and God has a wonderful plan for your life. While as yet you don't know him in mercy and grace, you have just lied to that man or woman about their real condition. While as yet that man or woman does not know God in the pardon of their sins, they are under the wrath of God. Do you hear what I say? See, we used to preach the reality of sin, but today we don't. You cannot preach John 3.16 and take sin out. You have now perverted the gospel. For when you look upon the object, the object, the object of God's exclusive love in the person of Christ you see all of the counsel of God, the totality of the purpose of God in Christ. And the first thing that God says to you and me is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look at the pole. All have sinned. The thing you see is a serpent. The thing you see is a serpent. Do you not? Do you know why? Because that serpent must first remind them of the sin that they engaged in that brought them to the condition that they're in. You cannot hear the gospel preach without the gospel first telling you that we have all died in Adam and that we are all by nature sinners and that we are desperately hell-bound sinners and we are dying by the tens of thousands every day. You must hear that message. The first work of the Spirit is to convince the world of what? Of what? Sin. Transgression against God's holy law. There's no preaching of the gospel without first saying God is holy. God is righteous. 
God is just and God will punish sin. You can't misrepresent God's character and think you're going to help hellbound sinners. Their problem is with God. The very God with whom you have a problem with is your solution. That's the mystery of the serpent up there that we're looking at. See, when you look at the serpent, and listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, not all of them looked, did they? Not all of them looked, did they? Some didn't have a chance to look. They died before they could look. Is that right? Others refused to look. And then some did look. Let me ask you, have you looked? See, the only way you can answer that is for you to be honest about whether or not the Spirit of God has pressed into your soul your absolute need of Jesus. And we'll get to that as the last point. But let me show you some inside truths about the serpent that you need to know. When God, the Holy Spirit, is working and saving men and women, he will never circumvent the gospel to save you. You're not going to be saved by some wonderful practical message about, you know, how to get out of debt. And then at the end, now if anybody wants to receive Jesus, let him come to the front of the altar. You can't receive a Christ you don't know. You can't receive a God that you have not heard about. You can't come away from something that you don't know that you need to come away from. God never saves apart from the gospel. The Spirit of God only works through the preaching of Christ. Will y'all hear what I'm saying? Jesus must be preached. Jesus must be preached in all of his redemptive work, all of his offices, all of the clarity as to why he is the sinner's substitute. Like I told you last week, the most important word in your vocabulary in, in terms of the Bible is the word what? Substitute. For if Christ did not die for you, to hell you're going without a substitute. Now here, this serpent is on the pole. And we move to now point number uh, B, subpoint B, and I call this the Asclepian paradox. How many of you guys know this Asclepian par- paradox? Anybody know about Asclepius? Anybody? Nobody in the room? Y'all don't read nothing. Y'all just, y'all just don't read nothing. <laughs> Greek history, Latin history, uh, uh, pre-Christian Greek philosophy would have quickly taught you that Asclepius was the god of healing. That Asclepius was the god of healing. And when you and I are looking at the medical emblem that underscores how healing takes place in the medical industry, you have the snake on the pole. Do you not? Pull up the image. Let me teach you something. Pull up the image. You got to see it. You have seen this. with. They can get their kids later. Here we go. Leave it right there. I want to show you all three points before you can get it. This is what we call the Asclepian Paradox. And this Asclepian Paradox is how God works in our world to heal us of all kinds of diseases. Do you know that if you are bitten by a rattlesnake, that the only way you can be healed by virtue of the antidote is the poison of the, the venom of the rattlesnake? If you're bitten by a cobra or any kind of poisonous animal, do you know that the antidote for healing you is the very venom of that poison? Do you guys know that? It can serve a whole lot of other purposes, but the point is this. It's a paradox that the very thing that you were afflicted by has to become the means by which you're healed. And so in the medical industry, they recognize that healing would take place by that man or that woman that knew how to find that antidote for the sickness in a human being. Back in the days of Plato, Socrates, Cicero, and others, they understood the philosophy of healing in relationship to the priesthood 
and the world of medicine. They were conflated. Some of y'all know that. And, and even in your Bible, we've taught you this before, that the job of the priest is to look upon the people to see what their condition is spiritually, determine whether they are healthy or sick. And if they were sick, they need to have a remedy given unto them that they might be whole in order to enter back into the community. Studying God's Word that we might show ourselves approved, that we might come to a deeper love and understanding of God's amazing love for us in Jesus Christ. This has been Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We are always delighted and grateful that you take a few moments to spend with us, that we might, again, study to show ourselves approved. And as we leave you today, we would also leave you with an invitation to join us for worship in person. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Jessica Stand and Grace Bible Church of Hayward, please consider this a formal invitation to spend Sundays with us. 11 a.m. is the worship service, 10 a.m. if you would like to join us for Sunday school. And don't forget, Friday evenings at 8 p.m., we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word with brothers and sisters in Christ from a variety of churches all over the Bay Area. That's at 8 p.m. Friday evenings. For directions and more information, simply stop by our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or give us a call, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're looking for a copy of today's program, you can either contact us by phone or mail. Send $5 and we'll get a CD out to you. Or stop by grace-bible.com and download the audio file for free. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. 94541 is our zip code. And one final note as we conclude our time together today. We're able to come to you daily here on KFAX because of friendships and partnerships with people such as you who see the value of this ministry. Now, while it is free to listen to, for us, there is a cost, and we are a listener-supported ministry. No matter the size of your gift, it's greatly appreciated. So would you take a moment and pray about it and then contact us with your gift today? 510-886-9782 is our phone number, or write to us, 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.